Good morning, church. Good morning. And how are we doing today? Uh, some of us are doing pretty well, and some of us I'm going to pray for. Uh, before I start the teaching, I want to put, put it in context. I am going to be talking about witnessing this morning, but from a different perspective. You know, I think witnessing for many of us is one of those things that takes us out of our comfort zone. And I don't know about you, but I really don't like being out of my comfort zone. And uh, when someone says you have to, and they put you under the law, the natural human response, fallen human response, is to say no. You want to go ahead, I'm not doing it. And, and I think a lot of the pressure that many churches put on us to witness while coming from a good heart, a good emotive and, in, and intention, I think oftentimes we they, they communicate it in a way that puts us under the law. You ought to be, you ought to be telling others about Jesus. You need to tell others about Jesus. You have to tell others about Jesus. And that all puts us under the law. And do you know what Paul says about being under the law? You will fail every time. The law is not to help us to do something or anything except to show us that we need grace. And so when we talk about witnessing, and especially when we talk about coming out of our comfort zone, it really needs to come from an attitude and a heart of grace. So I'm not here this morning to tell any one of you what you have to do. But I am here this morning to tell you how you can feel more comfortable when you're out of your comfort zone. I remember when I was quite young, uh, we had friends that had a, uh, uh, they lived on a lake and uh, we went out there and I didn't know how to swim at the time. I don't know, maybe I was seven years old, maybe I was younger. After that, you know, I mean, once I was in college, I liked to swim like a fish. But up to then, the water was very uncomfortable for me. In fact, when I taught swimming, one of the things I, we, we, they told us is that, you know, when you put a child in the water, they're not used to the pressure of the water on their chest. And they're not used to water on their face. So you're putting them into an environment in which they are very uncomfortable because it's very new to many of them. And so you have to go slow. You have to give them an opportunity to acclimate to that environment. And you might not think the pressure of water is much, but just let it run down your backyard for a few days, constant, and you will see what a little pressure of water, how much pressure water really has. Well, I am kind of rabbit-holing here. Um, what we want to talk about this morning is witnessing, but we want to talk about it from the grace space and from how we can feel comfortable doing so. So with that said, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are all here this morning not to hear Wayne, but to hear you, to hear your words, to grow by your words, to be transformed by your words. And so this morning, Father, I pray 
that that would be the case, that we would be transformed by your word, your word for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when Les Drew spoke to us a couple weeks ago, he, he shared with us excuses that many Christians use not to witness. And I just want to review a few of them. One was, I don't know what to say or how to say it. And he told us the solution was to trust in God who will give you the words at the time you need them. And the, uh, this, another one was the fear of man, rejection for sharing the truth. And he told us that the solution is to care more about what God thinks than what other people think about you. A third one was evangelism is not my calling. And according to 2 Timothy 4.5, the Holy Spirit calls us to do the work of an evangelist. And I think it's good for us to understand that these excuses attempt to deter us from doing that which we know is right. And they don't always come like that. It's not so much, well, I've got, you've got the fear of man, or I've got the fear of man. I have the fear of rejection. No, the way it comes is some not good spirit whispers in that inner ear of yours, oh, if you try to tell him about Jesus, he's going to laugh in your face. Or he might get angry. I remember uh, when I was walking to work, there was this guy oftentimes in the park across from where we Works would be walking around having an argument with himself. And it was very apparent that they were different personalities within the one person arguing. And he was a big guy, and, and I often thought I should maybe go up and rebuke the devils that were in him. But the devil kept telling me, oh, he'll beat you to a pulp. See, those excuses, they don't come the way we list them. They come as lies from the enemy to try to dissuade us from doing that which we really want to do. And you know, they're, they're more than just excuses. They are temptations to dissuade us from doing what God has asked us to do. And even more so, I would submit that they are temptations that challenge us with did God say? So let's look at what the truth of what God said is in the light of those temptations. You have been called to do the work of an evangelist. That's 2 Timothy 4, 5. God has a purpose for you, his purpose for you. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a plan for his church. That's John 18, 8 through 19. And God has given us a legacy to pass on to others. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and I hope you'll go home and look these up. I'm not going to take time this morning to, to look at each one. And, these temp and the temptations that attempt to dissuade us from sharing the good news with others, what's the root cause of all of them? Well, of course, the enemy, but in me, what's the root cause? Is it any one of those temptations? When I boil all the temptations down, what I find is pride. And I'm ashamed to find that I care more about my welfare than the welfare of others around me. 
That's why I fear man. That's why I fear rejection. That's why I'm concerned what others might think about me. That's why I don't make time to to afford opportunities to tell others the good news. (laughs) And that's why I don't ask God to give me an opportunity to tell others about the good news because then I got to face those that pride, right? Those fears, those, that fear of being rejected. And the bottom line is it all comes down to the fact that I love myself more than I love others around me. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm good to go. Why should I care about them? That's the lie of the devil. That's, did God say? Did God leave us here so that we should love ourselves? and not others. It's not likely that I'm going to tell you anything this morning you haven't heard before. But before you start to turn me off, just let me say this. The message I have this morning was given me to God for you. He didn't give it to me for Hillsborough Christian Church, although it might do them good as well. But he gave me this word this morning for you. And the Holy Spirit wants me to emphasize some things that you probably know but have forgotten, or may have forgotten, I should say. And that also means that you will not forget what I'm going to tell you this morning, but the Holy Spirit will keep it in your heart, and you will ruminate on it. You know how to call it when a cow ruminates on its cud? It it chews it up again and again and again. You will ruminate on this word, And it will change you, because that's the Holy Spirit's purpose. You know, when I was uh, in Cosm many decades ago, the Lord gave me a teaching from Psalm 37 on how to live the prosperous life. I was really excited about that. And then maybe a decade ago, he gave me a second teaching from the same scriptures on how to live content when you are abased. Very same scriptures, but a different emphasis. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. I've taught here on Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 before, and I will teach on it again today, but with a different emphasis. So let's look at Ephesians 13, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you will be filled with the fullness of God. title of my sermon this morning is Being Filled with the Fullness of God. And I want to point out here that that comes when you understand who you are in Christ and how much God loves you. You think I'm going to rabbit hole here, but not really. I'm just going to explain something. Hermeneutics is the theory and methodology of interpretation, especially the interpretation of biblical text, 
wisdom literature, and philosophical texts. And the goal of hermeneutics as a study is to try to discern what the intended message of a passage is. They are logical rules and guidelines for biblical interpretation. And with no context or just a cursory glance, many biblical passages can be incorrectly interpreted and may be taken in harmful ways. I think most of us have probably heard the saying, Judas went and hung himself, go and do thou likewise, both from Scripture. However, if you look at the context, go do thou likewise has nothing to do with hanging yourself. They're not in any remote similar context. So God is not saying suicide's okay with him. Contrary, it's not okay with God. But if you don't have some rules and guidelines in which to interpret Scripture, we too often will misinterpret it. Now the elders, we think it's really important that we and you interpret Scripture accurately. And rather than teaching a course on hermeneutics, we're going to point out hermeneutical principles in our sermon. And so while you may think I have digressed, let's go back to verse 14. For this reason in verse 14 requires us to look at the context before verse 14. And the rules of hermeneutical context also require us to look at the verses after verse 14. So we get the context of verse 14. In verses 6 through 13, Paul is writing about the mystery that the Gentiles, you and I, have been included in as partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. It wasn't just for the Jews that Jesus died. It was for all of us, obviously. And so since we are included in the promise of the good news of the gospel, Paul prays that we will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner being, our new man. So that Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith and that we being rooted and grounded in God's love will know the fullness of his love and therefore be filled with the fullness of God. I, you know, if God is love, and he is, if you're filled with the fullness of love, you've got to be filled with the fullness of God, right? So Paul, Paul speaks of this as an introduction then to our being unified in the body of Christ so that the saints of the body of Christ may be equipped for ministry. That's Ephesians 4. And that we may be imitators of God, walking in love as Christ loved us, loved us and gave himself for us laid down his will, his desires, did what was best for us. That's Ephesians 5. So according to Paul then, we need to be rooted and grounded in the love of God, having the fullness of God in us, so that we may live in unity with one another and to the work of ministry, which is to build up the body of Christ. So that means I have a requirement, as part of the body of Christ, the Lord Jesus has built me up so I can help build you up. But it's not just you. It's also to help build up the other bodies of Christ in close, proxi close proximity to us. And Christians that I come across in my path, like, 
like Warren did this morning with the, with the uh, saved man that had just been released from jail. And to build up the body of Christ by sharing the good news that Jesus Christ came and died so that we can have our relationship restored with our Heavenly Father, that we can share that and build up the body of Christ by bringing more in, and the kingdom of God expands. I'd like to look at 1 Samuel, verse 16, 7 for a moment. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You know, the outward appearance is oftentimes deceiving. And that appearance, I don't think, is just physical. There are some people whose personality just grates against me. They're not somebody I like to be around. Or it might be somebody that reminds me of somebody that, that hurt me once upon a time. And I just have a natural... I don't think affinity is the right word, but a natural response to want to stay away from them. But looking on the outward tells us nothing about their heart. Like God, we need to learn to look at their heart through, the, through God's eyes. My son Peter, he was uh, emotionally bullied in school. We went to the teachers, we went to the administrators. They didn't see it. And so there wasn't much we could do about it. But it affected him. One night he had, I don't, he, I don't even know if he knows, he had a dream or a vision. And God revealed to him Peter's heart, revealed to Peter, Peter's heart, as Peter saw it. It was in a dungeon, very dark, took time for his eyes to acclimate to it, to be able to see what was there. It was a scarred wall full of bruises and wounds, bleeding, not at all pretty. Then the Lord took Jesus, uh, took Peter to see his heart the way God sees Peter's heart. It emanated brilliant light. It was full of life and vitality and strength. It was strong and beautiful and powerful, healthy, overfilling, overflowing with love and generosity. If you know my son Peter, you know he's a lover and you know that he's generous. It changed Peter's life. That vision or dream changed Peter's life. Because Peter now saw himself, not as his classmates saw him, but as God saw him. And so we too need to learn to see ourselves as God sees us before we can hope to see others as God sees them. Because we will always filter what we see in others through our own life experiences. 
And it's not until we, we, we can put aside, cast off, cast away the things of the past, because now we're new creatures, and see ourselves rooted and grounded in God's love, understanding the height and the depth and the length and the breadth. It's not until then that we can see others the same way. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. And in some ways these seem to be unrelated, but at the end I'm going to put them together for us. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Jesus spoke as one who with authority. When one is an authority, when one knows the topic of which they are speaking and can speak on it as an authority, they are an authority, and so they speak as an authority. You have the word of God. You know the word of God. You have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know the heart of God. You've experienced the kingdom of God. And you know how a personal relationship with Jesus can transform a life because you've seen it transform your own life. You know the problem with the scribes teaching? They knew words on a piece of paper. They didn't know what they meant necessarily. They had no experiential uh, relationship with those words. They were just words that they wrote down and said, this is what God says. Jesus came with the heart of God, looking at people through God's heart with God's desire. And demonstrated to them the Father's love, the Father's true purpose for them. Not that they should live under bondage, bondage to the law, but that they should live in joy and peace in a wonderful relationship with their, with their loving Heavenly Father. And you know these things yourselves because you have experienced them. You're not like the scribes. You're like Jesus. That's why they call us Christians, right? Christ-like, little Christs. And because you have all this experiential relationship with these facts, you can speak as an authority about the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ, and what a saving relationship means in someone's life. You are an authority on these things because you have lived them and you have experienced them. Unfortunately, we will not do this unless we learn to see others as Jesus sees them. The neighbor, the star clerk, the waitress, the co-worker, a myriad of others. We will not tell of the good news of Jesus Christ until we're able to love them at least as much as we love ourselves. Because if we don't love them at least as much as we love ourselves, we are not willing to risk rejection. And I would go a step further and say we need to love them more than we love ourselves. I can guarantee you God loves me more than I love myself. 
And if we don't love them the way God loves them, if we don't have that passionate desire for their well-being, I don't know what would motivate us to do that which we don't want to do. Until you can see them through God's eyes, until you can understand God's desire that they should be saved, you will not find the motivation to choose. And I use that word choose deliberately to witness to them. See, it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. And because you're an authority on it, you don't have to feel like a fish out of water. Because you've been there. You understand it. You know it. If we try to witness because it's required of us, even desired of us, we will fail to open our mouths. There's a song called When He Was on the Cross. And the lyric goes, or the lyric includes, When He Was on the Cross, I Was on His Mind. Now, whether the I was Wayne DeClue or all the people that would be saved, I don't know what the intent of the author was. But for me, I believe I was on his mind. But I can't help wonder if I wasn't the only one on his mind. Yes, you were on, I believe you were on his mind. But what about all the people that are going to reject the good news that Jesus died to free them from their sins and the, and the penalty of their sins. I think maybe they were on his mind as well. Because they were the ones he was dying for. Until we see them as Jesus sees them, as God sees them, until we understand God's intense desire that they should be saved, we will not find the motivation to choose to tell them about the good news. Actually, I would call it the great news. You know, we also know that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. It wasn't a pleasant time. I think he was uncomfortable uh, out of his comfort zone during his passion. But for the joy set before him. The Bible says there is joy in heaven when one comes to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we can share in that joy. Even more so when we are the one that God uses, the Holy Spirit uses to bring them into the kingdom. So don't start trying to figure out how to be a better witness. Start on your knees. Asking God to give you his heart for others. You know, it would be nice to think that when we are saved, everything that we need in life is just boom, there, right? Well, it's there, but we have to take hold of it. It's, we talked about faith. We have to take hold of those things that Christ has provided. They don't just fall on us and in our lap. We have to take hold of them. I often talk about when we talk about casting the cares away. It's not like this. It's like this. And when we take hold, it's not like this. It's like this. Like reaching for the apple, for the knowledge of truth. 
Would you like to see the former glory of COC return to this place? I would suggest that we do the things we did back then. Be filled filled with the Holy Spirit. Try to uh, grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Looking for God to use us in manifold ways. Being excited about telling others about the good news that has that, that, that brought many of us from miles, miles away to come here to this place. The elders received a word a couple of times that we were not to return to the former glory or, or look to return to the former glory. I think somehow that might have got misinterpreted. I don't think it's that God doesn't want us to have the glory. I think it's that he doesn't want us to look to the past. He wants us looking forward, not looking where we came from. And the same word that we received that said that we shouldn't yearn for the previous glory says that there's a better glory ahead of us. But I think we find that on our knees Asking God to forgive us for our sins. Asking God to show us how much he loves us. And asking God to give us his heart for others. There are a lot of programs out circulating the body of Christ as to how to witness. Personally, I just like the way Jesus did it. He performed some sign or wonder either before or after the fact to confirm what he said was from the Father. And he shared the truth in love. And I believe that that is what God's desire for each of us is. But it's not what you have to do, it's what you get to do if you choose to do so. And you choose to do so by starting on your knees. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to move out of your comfort zone. I know we're mostly an an older congregation, and many of us, like me, are stoic in our ways. We don't jump up and down and prostrate ourselves on the floor during worship. And, um, you know, uh, we, we, we tend to be a little more reserved. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to get out of your comfort zone. I'm going to ask you to come kneel around, around the platform, Pray if you can. If you can't, do it from your seats. But this morning, let's take time and pray that God would show us how much he loves us and show us how much he loves others. If we do that, I believe the Holy Spirit will give us the joy, the confidence, the motivation to tell others about our friend Jesus. Please come join me in prayer. I'm going to start us out in prayer and... um, You do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, whether it's to pray out loud, pray to yourselves, pray in tongues, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do.
Feel free. Father, we are so grateful that you loved us so much that you chose to send your son to die for us. And Lord, when you saved us, you didn't just zip, you zip us up to heaven, but you gave us the wonderful opportunity to be your servants here on earth, to do your will here on earth. And Father, we need your help this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to help us understand how much you love us, how great your love for us is. Lord, may we see our hearts the way you showed Peter our hearts. And Lord, may you build in us your passion, your love for those around us that don't know you. Father, open the doors. Give us, Lord, the opportunities to share your love with our neighbors, our co-workers, with everyone we come across. Oh, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for whatever sins we might have committed recently. Forgive us for the times that we have not loved others more than ourselves. Give us hearts, Father, that have your heart. Like David, we want a heart after your own, Father. Father, don't let us walk away unchanged. But transform us to be more like Christ. And thank you, Father for giving us everything that we need to live a godly life, a life that's pleasing to you, including the ability to choose to share your love with those who don't know you. Father, help us to build up the body of Christ. Help us, Lord. We need your help. We need your grace. Hallelujah. Thank you that you are the God of yes and amen. Thank you you're a God who doesn't lie. Thank you that you're a God that desires to see us coming to your throne of grace boldly. That you want to answer our prayers more than we want to pray them. And Father, give us the faith. Don't let the devil come and steal from us that which you are doing this morning. But give us the faith, Father, to take hold of your love and to hold it close, to cling to you, 
to do your will with joy. Thank you for making us authorities on your kingdom of your kingdom, Father. Thank you for making us ambassadors of your love. 